Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I am your host and content creator, Rachel Wartman. And man, I am just really, really thankful to have you guys on here um, listening. Before we dive into today's content, I want to tell you about something that blows my mind still to this moment. And it's this. I wrote a book. Oh my gosh. I still am having a hard time believing that it's actually done and almost available for you. So November 11th, you will be able to purchase my first and new book called You'll Get Out of It When You Learn to Love It. And this book is really my story of learning to step into the abundant life with Jesus. And you will learn the exact things that I did, the tools that I still use in my time with the Lord and how, um, yeah, how I rearranged my thoughts and my vantage point and my perspective to really step into who God has called me to be. And I've written it in a way where you can do the same so that you can step into that abundant life also. So I wanted to give a little plug. I'm sure I'll talk about it more in future episodes as well. But November 11th, be looking for my book, my first book. You'll get out of it when you learn to love it. It'll be available on Amazon and on Kindle. And then coming soon in the next couple of months, it'll be available on audiobook for Audible as well. Okay, that being said, I want to talk to you guys today about a quote that I heard recently that has been wrecking me. I mean, I have not stopped thinking about it for the last couple of weeks. And it came from a book I was actually listening to, a great audiobook. Um, well, you can buy it as well, but in a paperback. Um, but this book is called Rise of the Truth Teller. And I was listening to this book, great book by Ashley Abercrombie. And in it, she quoted this man, Dallas Willard, who I had heard his name had not really ever looked into who he was. Well, that was about to change. Through one of those moments in life where God has you surrounded, I started seeing Dallas Willard's name everywhere I looked from all different streams of influence and people that I listened to. And it was like, okay, I'm listening. I got to check this guy out. Dallas was a theologian, a philosopher and a seminary professor in California. He passed away some time ago, but in the book rise of the truth teller, she tells a story between uh, a guy named John Ortberg and Dallas Willard. And here's how the story went down. John is a leader in the body of Christ. He travels and speaks and does a lot of ministry opportunities. And so as he was getting more, more opportunities to minister, he was feeling a little bit more frantic in his life. And so he reached out to Dallas and he said, Dallas, what do I do to stay mentally sane as my life is changing in this way? And this response blew me away. In fact, I just had to be honest with you. What happened was I had to pull the car over, pull out my notes app on my phone and write this down because it was one of those moments where it felt like lightning crashed into my soul. And this is what Dallas responded. He said, John, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Let me read that to you one more time, just so you can catch it like I had to. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. I don't know about you, but I think a lot of us, and especially for me, I live so much of my life hurrying through as if there's some sort of high score I'm trying to beat with how fast I accomplish things in my day. 
But the reality is when we are in a state of hurry, we are not necessarily more productive. We're not necessarily operating at a higher capacity. We're just not paying attention as much. So hurry is not so much a state of uh, capacity or productivity. Hurry is a state of mind. It's important for us to make this distinction because I'm not telling you to slow down and do less. I'm suggesting we need to slow down in our spirit so we can catch what God is actually trying to do. The reality is when we're operating in God's strength, we can actually do more with less. We can be more productive. We can get more accomplished. We can have greater insights because it's Jesus at work in us, not our own self, you know, in our own strength. We must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. I got to tell you, I've spent the last couple of weeks really exploring this thought for myself and trying to figure out in what ways am I hurrying? Well, let me just be very personal, ultra transparent for a second. I'm the kind of person who does not like to be bored. Like when I smell a whiff of boredom coming, I already am two steps ahead thinking of what I'm going to do to dismiss that boredom or reframe it in a way that sounds better to me. Now, I know that might sound like ADD or something like that. That's not really what it is. I just am um, strange, I guess, but I just don't like to be bored. So case in point, typically when I'm listening to a long message, I have a puzzle game I play on my phone. It shuts down the boredom part of me so I can really hone in and listen to the words. I'm almost always multitasking. I've got music in the background. I've got a show playing in the background. So there's something kind of occupying that other part of my brain. Now, I'm not suggesting that's healthy to you. I'm just telling you that's how it is. And what I've discovered through this idea of eliminating hurry is that when I'm afraid of being bored, I shut down from the possibilities God might breathe into my given situation. Let me tell it to you like this. So a few years ago, I was dreaming with the Lord. This was probably maybe seven years ago or so. And I was dreaming with God about what I wanted my life to look like. And some of you guys know I am a preacher and I love being a preacher. In fact, I've been preaching since I was like 14 or 15 years old. It's one of the most um, natural parts about me, one of the easiest parts about me. I have zero fear of public speaking. I just, it's just kind of how I'm wired. And so in that, I've always dreamed of what my sort of pinnacle moment of a preacher would be. And if I can just be completely transparent at this point, about seven years ago, I was dreaming of what would it be like to travel and speak to large crowds of people. And on one particular day, I was talking to God about this and just dreaming with him, right? Not saying, God, make this happen. It was more of just saying, wow, wouldn't that be cool if I could get to that level of an ability? And the Lord said this to me, and I will never forget. He said, Rachel, what I want you to do is to love the one you're with. Now, I'm not talking about that classic song. What I'm talking about is being intentional with the one person that sits in front of me day by day instead of focusing all my efforts to what would be a crowd of people. The Lord began to elaborate and he said something like this. He said, Rachel, if you had one opportunity in your life, like if we're being realistic, a lot of preachers might get one opportunity to preach to a large crowd. And he said, let's say you have one chance to preach to a crowd of 10,000 people. Well, in that arena of 10,000 people, at least a third of them will be distracted, roaming the halls, going to the bathroom, having a text conversation with someone not present in the room, etc. So now we're down to about 7,000 listeners. And of those 7,000 
listeners, you have to assume that a portion of them are not tracking with you or just are not interested in what you have to say. Therefore, says the Lord to me, 10,000 people in a room is not a guarantee you're going to reach those 10,000 people. I thought, well, that's interesting. And then God said this to me. He said, if you will be faithful to love the one person that's in front of you in the same way that you would give yourself to a crowd of 10,000, by the end of your life, you could have directly impacted something like 10,000 people. Why? Because each person on a one-on-one basis is a captive audience. Now, for some of you guys, this may not land with you whatsoever, but I'm an extrovert. I'm a big thinker. I'm a big party kind of person. So that's the way my mind works. I have a part of me that thrives in front of large groups of people that just doesn't come alive in smaller settings. So it was a total reframe for me to start looking at my everyday interactions as an opportunity to give of my true self, even though it doesn't normally click into that gear for me. What I began to do was say, okay, Lord, what does it look like to love the one you're with? What does it look like to give myself in conversation to people, to give myself in presence of mind, presence of spirit? Well, I think you might see where I'm going with this. It looks like eliminating hurry. It looks like doing something like Jesus did where he was interacting with people and then that person he was talking to became his whole world for that one moment. He has this uncanny ability when he's interacting with the people that he ministered to, to sort of make a full stop to everything else going on in the scene and zero in on that person, on their need, on what they needed from him and give himself completely to them so they could walk away changed. Fascinatingly, you and I have the exact same opportunity to do that with people in our life. But to do that, we have to eliminate the hurried state of mind. We have to eliminate the hurry perspective so that we're present both physically, mentally, and spiritually as well. How many times when we're in conversation with someone, are we thinking about what our next response is going to be? Or we're thinking about how to steer the conversation back towards something that we want to talk about. Or we're thinking about how we look while we're being, you know, giving a response so that we look like we're active listening or whatever me, me, me thoughts go on in our minds when we're actually listening to someone. But to eliminate hurry means that we slow down. We focus in on what that person is saying, doing, thinking, feeling, and then we pay attention to what God is doing in the midst of that moment. I mean, isn't that what hurry does more than anything? Hurry closes the door to the God factor because it keeps us focused on fulfilling the task, fulfilling the task as if, you know, going through the grocery store faster or in a hurried state of mind gets me some sort of high score that I can then try to break the next time I go. Now, full disclosure, I do that sometimes. I time myself, but again, I'm weird. Okay. So when we eliminate hurry, what we're doing is we're making space for God to come into that conversation. It doesn't change the output. It doesn't change the pace of the conversation, the things we talk about, etc. It changes our state of mind and the attention of our spirit. Let's look at this particular verse passage in John 15, and you might be familiar with this. This is Jesus talking, and he's talking about remaining in the vine. He's talking about what it looks like to abide with God, with his spirit. And so in verse four and five, this is what Jesus says. He says, so you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, So your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. 
I am, says Jesus, the sprouting vine, and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. To me, that's a great example of what it looks like to eliminate hurry from our lives. Essentially, what we're doing is we're eliminating the part of us that that doesn't stay in constant union with Jesus. Here's the truth of the matter. God never leaves us. We leave him based on our perceived awareness of him in our lives. Let me say that to you in a different way. Hebrews 13.5 says that he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So the Holy Spirit now resides in you. If you are in Christ Jesus, if you have given your life to Jesus, if you are saved, then the Holy Spirit resides in you. And so it's not that God ever leaves you. It's that our awareness changes and we stop being aware that he's with us. And then because of that, we have withdrawn and we feel like God has left us when in fact it's us that have left him. He cannot be truthful if he leaves you. Why? Because he made this promise multiple times in scripture. He will not leave you. He is with you. When you are in him, he is with you. And what John chapter 15 verses four and five is clearly saying is that it's us that step out of that intimate life union with Jesus. But if we want to bear fruit, then we have to be connected to the source. So it's not that God disconnects from us. It's that we disconnect from him. And I'm sure you know where I'm going with this as well, but how do we disconnect from him? Well, when we're hurrying through our life, we're not paying attention. We're not looking for what that connection might fuel with us. I don't know about you, but I want to be a fruitful person. Amen. I want to be the kind of person that bears fruit in my life. I want to be the kind of person that accomplishes what God wants me to accomplish, that has relationships that are enjoyable, that are being transformative, right? Where we are actually all collectively growing closer to Jesus. That's what I want from my life, but I can't get that unless I'm in life union, as the Passion Translation says, with Jesus. And to be in life union with Jesus, to abide in him means I have to pay attention to what he's doing in my life. And if I'm going to pay attention to that, then I can't be in a state of hurry. I think this is what Dallas was tapping on. He hit the nail right on the head. He shot right into the bullseye when he said we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Why? Because when we just let hurry linger, then we miss what God is really doing. But if we're going to be mentally healthy people, if we're going to be sane people, if we're going to do the things God wants us to do and also stay connected with him, then we have to recognize where we're at with him, right? We can't do that if we're hurrying through life. So I don't know about you, but I know for me, it's been my focus to start thinking about how do I slow down in my spirit I'm not slowing down in my productivity and my capacity. I'm slowing down in my focus. God, what are you doing in this moment, in this conversation, in this time, in this drive from point A to point B? What are you speaking to me? How can I latch on? What can I pray? How can I connect with you? Lord, I want to commune with you. Lord, I don't want to be in a hurry so that I miss what you're actually doing. Some of the most beautiful conversations that I have with people are when we slow down just enough to let God in as well, 
that it's not just an exchange of human minds and human conversations, but we tap into something a little bit deeper, tap into something a little bit more profound. You know, it's those moments in a conversation where God gives you a question to ask that actually unlocks a deeper place of healing. But if we're just hurrying through, then we miss that. So it's November now, right? So we're heading into the holiday time. And in the holidays is one of the biggest times where we just get used to hurrying through everything. There's events happening, company parties, you know, Christmas parties, Christmas family gatherings, Thanksgiving, all of that. And if we're not purposely, ruthlessly eliminating it, then this wonderful season of reflection and communion with Jesus goes by in the blink of an eye. So this is my challenge to you today. Slow down. Not necessarily in what you're doing day to day. I'm not saying you need a personal day where you kind of sit in solitude for like eight hours at a time or anything like that. I'm just saying in your spirit, when you feel yourself feeling frantic, take a moment. Maybe it looks like this. The next time you pull up to the grocery store, you stop before you get out of the car. You just take a deep breath. Lord, help me ruthlessly eliminate hurry from my life. Maybe when you're going to meet a friend for lunch or coffee or whatnot, you stop in the car before you get out and you just stop and say, I don't want to hurry my way through this. I want to be present. I want to be focused on what God is doing in the midst of this relationship. For sure, when you go to church, Lord, I want to be present in this assembly, in this gathering of believers. At every point of your life, when you're spending time with God, Lord, I don't want to just read my Bible to sort of gain knowledge. I want to actually commune with you. We must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. It's, it's a strategy. It's an attack mode. It's a intentional, an intentional, deliberate choice. Dallas Willard also says this, that for us to grow spiritually, we have to make the intention to do it. Why? Because our bodies and our minds are designed where you have to make a decision. This is the way you want to go before your whole self will come in line with that. That's true in so many things, right? Addictions that we want to break, bad habits we want to let go of. Unless we purpose ourselves to do that, it doesn't happen on its own. It's the same with all things in the kingdom. We have to decide, make an intention. In some ways, maybe think about it like this, to make a declaration. This is who I'm going to become. I'm going to become an unhurried person. I'm going to become like Jesus, where in the midst of tremendous need all around him, people with serious life-threatening situations coming to him and wanting something from him, he's able to hone in to a little man in a tree who needs salvation. A little man in a tree, Zacchaeus, if you're not familiar with the story, go look it up. He's just a curious onlooker. And Jesus is so present in that moment to catch what God is doing that he calls Zacchaeus down, invites himself over for dinner. You got to love that, right? And then in that conversation, Jesus is so present. He gets to the core of Zacchaeus's issues and Zacchaeus and the entire community is transformed. He ends up giving back all the money he swindled out of people. He ends up changing his identity completely to becoming a son of God from a swindler. All because Jesus was present as he walked down that road into that town. He wasn't hurrying in the midst of the mundane. He was paying attention. What would your life look like? What would my life look like if we intended, purposed ourselves to operate in that same presence of mind. Listen, it's possible. 
It's possible in this technology day and age that we live in. Sometimes I think we feel like because we have our phones on all the time that it's impossible to really slow down. No, it, it is. It just requires us to intend to do it. So that's my encouragement for you guys today. That's my sort of blessing over your holiday season is to encourage you. Slow down in your heart a little bit. Slow down in your mind. Make the decision to ruthlessly eliminate hurry and see what beautiful things come out of your life because you did so. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wartman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.